Welcome to this new VVV podcast episode, covering the most recent town hall. All right. Hello, guys. Let me know if you can hear me. And then we have Christian, who has already joined us. And I'm waiting for Mario. Um, Let me invite you to speak. Okay, give me one more moment. I see Christian dropped out. Okay, Christian, whenever you are ready to join again, let me send you the invitation again. So uh, we're going to get started with Mario, who was kind enough to be willing to share some of his progress and some of his thoughts after the Mabea live event. And since we're going to announce the next event, very soon. I think it's very good for you guys to get more additional context about the event, what actually happened, what the tangible takeaways were from some of the attendees. And I know that Mario was super, super aware of every single point we spoke about at the event. And I could also see in his eyes that he's going to go back and he's going to implement a lot of the things right away. So I'm very much looking forward to hear what he has achieved since then. So, hello, Mario. Good to talk to you again. Hello, Sean, and hello, everybody. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine. So, I I just wanted to share a few thoughts after Marbella. So, um, first of all, I started to appreciate my wife even more because um, in Umbrella, you, Sean, highlighted some feminine traits, and I realized that my wife has all mentioned once and even more. (laughs) And the thing is that my my wife, after our talk, also purchased two books in order to better understand May's approach. So previously we were extremely happy in our relationship, but now we are even more. So it's one thing that I really appreciate. The second thing, um, it's more personal stuff, but I, I would like to share with it. I have been struggling recently because I had to move into family housing where my college is located, and I did that. And there was a weak internet connection, and additionally, there was a mold on the wall. And the thing is that my wife used to live with a mold for about eight or even ten years as a child because they were refugees and they were very poor. That's why I was so upset because of that situation. And um, it was difficult to make final decision about moving out because we were there only three months and there was some pressure from others to stay there because study involves one more semester. And then I went to Marbella and when I came back, finally, I left the family housing. And um, of course, some people were not happy at all, but that's what I did. And uh, and uh, I, I think that the, the meeting in Marbella provided me more confidence to make this step. Another thing is related to my diet. Um, I follow the example which you mentioned and try to eat uh, only one meal per day in the evening. And um, yeah, I noticed that I have more energy because my stomach doesn't waste the energy on and digestion. Um, two more things, and I think that uh, they are really, really nice. Um, I motivated my wife to write her first book. 
She has an amazing story about their parents, grandparents and grand-grandparents, uh, how normal people became heroes during the war. And because of the current situation in Ukraine, because my wife comes from Ukraine, I, I thought that maybe it would be a good time to, to, to start writing this book. Anyway, she, she has content for three books total. And the second, it could be about miracle leading her parents by God. They also had the chance to learn from multimillionaire in Russia for a while. And the third book would be a romantic story about our love. <laughs> uh, I will see if she makes it happen. But I'm aware that it's difficult to sell book nowadays, but it's more about influencing the world and leaving a good story behind, which can motivate and inspire others. The last thing is, um, yeah, I signed up to 24 kilometers run on 29 January in two weeks. In my long-term plans, I wanted, I wanted to do it in March or April, but I brought forward this challenge. Uh, and for instance, today, two friends of mine and I, we enjoyed seven kilometers run before the main event. So to sum up, and not, not taking more time, uh, I would like to say that I want to thank to everybody in VVV and in Marbella, especially you, Sean. You are an inspiration, a great inspiration for me personally. You are a tough guy with a good heart, I would say. I don't want to say that you are nice. <laughs> you, 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 you are not nice. You are an amazing guy, and I, I, I appreciate you so much. So, yeah, that's all. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity of sharing those thoughts. Yeah. Thank you much for sharing, Mario. And thank you much for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure to have you at the event. And I could tell right away that you are really genuine and a really good guy. And it's, uh, thank you. Thank it's you. super good to hear progress and see that you got a lot of a lot out of the event and um and like that's one of the main takeaways like most of the guys who went back to the relationships you know they've seen a significant improvement in the dynamics which they had at home and i think this is really really impo important for everyone to understand that you have a certain role to play and you have to allow your partner to play her role as well and that doesn't mean that it has to be something which is going to be forced, but uh, you have to be aware that you have to be able to set the right, the right ground for everyone to flourish. And that's very, very difficult if you're not aware of the nuances and how the dynamics between men and women actually work. Yes, I, I, I totally agree, 100%. Uh, of course, some topics in Marbella are challenging, but the thing is to take away as much as possible and to, to, to create a better version of ourselves. And generally, yeah, it works in many life areas. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, hope to see you soon, guys. Thanks. Yes, see you soon, Mario. Thank you. Uh, now, guys, give me one moment because I have to connect to the Wi-Fi. And I'm not sure if the Spaces event is going to get hung up. Um, so give me just one second to see if it, everything works. Okay, so please let me know once again if you guys can still hear me. And if yes, then we're going to keep going. So kindly leave a, a quick uh, comment on the Spaces to see if uh, we are still good to go. And then we're going to continue. Oh, maybe Christian. I mean, if you can hear me, then we are probably... Yes, here. sir. I can hear you. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so, I don't have to bother you guys. Uh, but while we are at it, um, 
guys, please leave a retweet and a like and uh, make sure you spread the word about VVV. And we're going to have an absolutely amazing guest tomorrow. We're going to have Daniel join us and we're going to do a deep dive in the Exodus session about health and fitness and especially about optimizing your health and optimizing your health as a man because having low testosterone is really a very modern disease amongst men and it's really something which has an incredibly detrimental effect on your life and on your happiness and on your quality of life so fixing that ideally naturally is going to have a profound impact on every single one of you and now with that being said we're going to start discussing the shark test and the shark test results and that's a very um, deep topic so today we are probably going to just start discussing um, the first couple of questions and before we go into that i would say that uh, christian if you have some um maybe the, the most common questions which came up amongst uh, the students regarding the test or if you have any personal questions yourself then we're going to cover those first and then we're going to start with the first question okay great um and i <clears throat> we could we could also you know just go uh through the test proper and then uh get to those questions too i think for me one of the the biggest things that i wondered about and and i feel like others probably had some of the the same questions is there's a balance. A lot of the questions on the test I felt got towards the, what motivates you and, and what, um, what your values are. So what you're willing to do to get what you want. <clears throat> and some of those, uh, went into doing, um, you know, a, uh, working harder, paying more attention, not giving up. But then some got into, I think, what you've called before, um, Sean, uh, Machiavellianism, which is I'm willing to really mislead others to get my way um, or um, I'll say what I need to to get what I want. Um, and, and even sort of some uh, narcissistic traits like, um, I think that I'm better than other people. I, I can only imagine that it, that it's a, a fine line because I know you've, you've taught us before and have spoken about the, the need to believe that you can achieve more and to want more and, and to be willing to do what it takes to succeed. Uh, I know with the McDonald's homework, we talked about the need to be ruthless, but not necessarily to violate core values, right? So such a, there's such a huge value in VVV of trust um, because you've instilled it. And we know that we can place our trust in you and you're not going to violate that. So how do you as a leader generally, um, you know, tackle those sorts of questions of believing in yourself and, and doing what it takes to succeed without crossing over into narcissism or, or Machiavellianism. Well, that's only possible if we have created a really solid character. If your values are rock solid, then your character cannot be shaken with any of the bad traits, right? So you're not going to deviate from the right path. But it also doesn't mean that only 
the good people become successful. There's a lot of uh, very narcissistic people who became very successful. And there's a lot of people who are very deep into Machiavellism and they also became successful. So it's important to note that just because you became successful does not mean that you are a good person. There's plenty of successful bad people out there and there's plenty of successful people who carry uh, a of the bad traits. But generally speaking, like most of the people who become successful through their own means and through their own will, they eventually develop a, a solid character. They, they might not be, um, they might not have all the good traits, but the, I, I feel like the bad traits get eradicated the higher up you climb. And so to explain what Machiavellism actually means for those who are not aware. So the definition of Machiavellism is it's a personality trait that denotes cunningness, the ability to manipulate and a drive to use whatever means necessary to gain power. And that's pretty much the, one of the main traits of weak people. So someone who actually doesn't carry a lot of value in them. These people are the most likely to uh, have Machiavellistic attributes because they don't have any other means to rise. So these are really the people you have to watch out the most. And to give you some more context about how the shark test actually was comprised, it's um, made up of three, three different parts. The first part is a test called the Dark Triad, which is testing for three negative traits. Um, it's testing for narcissism, Machiavellism, and for psychopathy. So the Dark Triad test is pretty much a short test to see if someone is either a good or a bad person. And, and I, I'm uh, oversimplifying here on, on purpose just to, to make the point. But this is a very, very simple but effective test. And it's a, a, psycholog excuse me, it's a clinically approved test. So this is not something uh, which is made up by the internet, but it's actually a, a clinically accepted test, which, you, which is actually used by psychologists. Then the second part of the shark test, these were common sense questions, which I designed, um, which I thought were very helpful to curate the culture, which I want to have in VVV. And then the third test was the Hexaco personality test. So you can look the test up. It's H-E-X-A-C-O, Hexaco personality test. And that's a very in-depth test with a plethora of different questions. And I extracted uh, specific questions out of the dark dry test and out of the hexaco test to make up the shark test. So both of these tests have a lot more questions than the ones which you have seen in the shark test. But I took out specific questions to test for specific traits, which I do not want to have in people who eventually become uh, stakeholders in VVV. So this pretty much was a means for me to weed out people who are weak-minded, who mislead, who are dishonest, who have low self-esteem, and to make sure that we curate an audience amongst the holders, which 
has a lot of substance to them. So this means if you scored high on the shark test, then you have managed to develop your character to a certain degree. And it also means if you have scored very low on the shark test, and low to me is any score below 250, that's like, that's low. Uh, any negative scores are, you know, um, let's just say you have a lot of work to do. Like if you actually have a negative score, then there's really, really, you know, a lot of things you should should look into. And I think a good way is to start within the academy because it's going to show you what kind of traits the successful people have. And by interacting with the mentors and with the other students, you're also going to learn very quickly what's the best way to treat your peers and to treat the people around you and the people ahead of you. So anyone who has a score below 250, just know um, that it's completely fine because you, you, no one is born with all the, uh, the right personality traits in place and your socioeconomic environment can also very easily mislead you or sometimes even force you to adopt certain traits simply for survival. But also be aware that carrying some of those traits with you, like the narcissism and especially the Machiavellism, that eventually is going to disrupt and ruin your private life as well. It's not something which is just affecting success and business, but it's going to have a really, really high impact on your personal life and on your relationships uh, with friends and uh, with your in your love life as well. So it's really, really important to do those tests, like Google it, Google the dark tried test, Google the hexaco test and complete both tests and safety test results because we're also going to go through the individual scores uh, eventually in the academy. And it's super aware, excuse me, it's super important to become aware of the, the traits which you carry because only then after you have exposed some of the negative traits which you might have, that's when you can actually start working on them. And you will see by consciously putting effort into becoming a good person, everything around you is going to improve. Because someone who is high on the Machiavellism score, they will never ever be able to attract and maintain healthy relationships with good people. Because good people can spot someone who is high on Machiavellism super quickly and they don't want to have them around themselves. It's uh, something where you just get a someone who has been through a lot and who has already established his character. Like they can feel if someone is cunning and they can feel if someone is misleading or manipulative. So someone like that is never ever going to be able to curate the right friends and the right personal relationships, which eventually lead to happiness. Someone who's high on cunningness, they will always also attract people of that caliber and that's then eventually going to lead you to uh, live in toxic relationships and not just in your personal relationships, but also in business relationships. If you're the person who's going to screw others over, then you're also attracting people who would do the same thing. And eventually, if you do this, you're also going to ruin your reputation and you're just not going to be on the path where you have sustainable success and where you actually have a fulfilled life. And yeah, Christian. Yeah, so I, I'm 
I'm struggling with, I, I see so much what you said in, um, in the beginning of your comments that there are people, especially in as, as someone who's worked in, in a bureaucratic environment for a lot of my life, so many people who are able to climb at least those first few rungs pretty easily with those traits. And it's like you said, I, I think for some folks uh, with the Machiavellian traits, I would say, and, and the narcissistic traits. And, and I would say that for some, it's easy to see, but uh, surprisingly enough, at least in the environment that, that I'm in, those folks climb pretty quickly. Now, after a year or two or three, they prove themselves out and people remove them, but then inevitably they're replaced with the same sort of like mm -hmm. fake bravado. Why, why is that? And, and is there a solution to that? Or is that just, cause I, I wouldn't be surprised if others find themselves in similar situations. Those folks seem, seem to be able to climb. Do you just leave those organizations? Is that the, uh, a side effect of bureaucracy. What What are your thoughts about that? Because because you definitely see them being able to succeed at least in the short term. Yeah, because there's only very few really good leaders out there, right? So if someone is not leading with a good example, the culture and the company is going to be diluted as well. And the lower you go through the ranks, the more obvious it becomes that the right culture is not in place, right? And then you see those individuals succeeding to a certain degree and especially the more committees, the more politics are in place, the more likely those cunning people are going to um, make it up the ranks. And that's why you see in, in politics, like everything is just cunning and everyone is lying and like it's just a completely dishonest um sector as a whole right so the more politics you have the less straightforward everything is the more of the cunning approach you will see and the more uh, corruption you will have and but at the end of the day it's it's all up to the people who uh, it's all up to the person who's in charge of curating the culture so basically it's just um, an impact of of weak leadership why why do you think that weak leaders tend to choose folks like that? Do they just see them at, because they're being told everything they want to hear rather than being challenged? Is that? Yeah. So, okay. That's very easy to answer. So someone weak, they can't distinguish if someone is the right person for the position or not. Right. So if someone is very cunning and is manipulative, they will be succeeding in manipulating the person. Right. And then, so now the weak person Put some, maybe they don't even have to be weak, right? They, they can just be naive. Uh, so you have a na naive person who puts someone in charge in a powerful position, but they put, the, so they put someone weak into a position of power. And the weak person will do everything humanly possible to not lose the power they have just gained. So they will do anything and they will mislead. They will trick people. They will lie. They will do whatever is necessary for them to stay in the position because they know they got into a position which they didn't deserve to be in. Yeah, that, no, that makes a lot of sense. I, I also see there, I know there was a question um, on the shark test about avoiding um, conflict if it's useful. And I see that very, very frequently um, in 
you know, in the bureaucracy I'm in that like nobody wants to upset anybody and even, and they'll do um, sort of that thing where they'll behind the back tell you, you know, Hey, I'm on your side. Like, I think that's horrible. And then when it actually comes to them, you know, standing up there, they, you know, say, Oh, I don't really have an opinion. Um, yeah. So it's, it's definitely something that I think folks feel like, well, that's how I survive. Like you said, in this, very weak environment, but maybe that's just another reflection of, of the leadership and the type of people who, who they like to see folks who don't yes, it comes down to what, them. It comes down to what the people at the top incentivize. That's the thing. If they incentivize someone, excuse me, if they reward someone who is manipulative, then of course that that's the thing which is going to be um, chosen by all the individuals below him. That makes sense. Um, and, go ahead. And it's also the thing, like, if you want to actually get to the top and you, the situation which you just uh, outlined where someone says one thing and then they, they do the other thing, like, if someone spots that, they will never, ever get a chance to, to, to rise. And if someone actually shows grit, if someone shows that they have a spine, then that's something which would qualify them to actually get in touch with someone much higher up. But it's again, it comes down to having character. And it also, once you become, like once you have access to some people who are higher up and they, and you convey yourself, it becomes very obvious that you have backbone, you have grit and that you do as you say and that you're honest. Like they will grant you a lot of trust right away because they they know they can rely on their gut feeling and if you don't don't show any of the negative traits then they can open up like pretty quickly but it's also the other way around like if you show any of the negative traits like even just slightly they will completely um ostracize you from anything they're doing so you, you get one chance to make a first impression and if there's even the slightest bit of any signs of any of the negative traits you will never ever be invited back yeah i thought that was one of the most um, powerful things about uh, the experience in marbella is that um i mean certainly each of the the speakers was very confident in themselves i mean they had ego to that extent but there was no one that you could not approach that acted as if they were above you or that you were beneath it. Like they were just very secure in who they were and, and the value they offered. And I, I think that was, it was really a, a refreshing experience uh, to compare or contrast, I would say with sort of the, the pseudo leadership you find oftentimes in life, especially in, you know, middle management type positions where they're trying to puff themselves up and, and act like, uh, you know, to put you beneath them because that's the way that they um, sustain power. So uh, I think it was, it was really impactful to, to see that, that very, very accomplished people, you know, didn't need to, you know, peacock. Yeah. Because these guys are actually men and the guys which you know, they are pretend men. So they know they don't have the substance to back everything. So they have to be overly aggressive and overly, you know, they, they, they have to overly display their ego to make sure that everyone thinks they are the man. 
and no one actually looks behind the curtain. But the guys who already made it and the guys who have curated uh, a character of substance, they don't have to be like overtly, um, they don't overtly, they don't have to overtly display what they have, right? Because they're so confident in what they already achieved. So, and that's why they're so humble. Like every one of the, the speakers, they are extremely well accomplished, but yet you can approach them um, in a you know very open way. They're going to be super humble. They're going to be friendly. Like no one, no one thinks that they are better than any of the other attendees. And that's really the beauty because they, you know, they respect themselves and they think a lot of, about themselves and they, they have a, a big ego. But if they see the same traits which they carry in you, of course they're going to respect you right away. Like it's it's very very easy. Yeah, and that was uh, absolutely um, it. It was obvious, and it was really uh, you know it, it showed what real leadership looks like and and what real substance looks like. It 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 doesn't front it it you know it establish itself in what it is right like you can view it and and it's it's like gold like you know that that is valuable right so i wanted to um generally go to kind of the next section like you said you know there there's three sections and we talked a little bit about um, machiavellianism and um, psychopathy and narcissism um and and we can go back and, and go through individual questions but i wanted to touch on each um each of the other two sections first um so the second section, the the uh, questions that you curated um, to outline some of the traits that you feel are important um, for VVV, I, I noticed in going through it that some of it has to do with um, questioning what others tell you, what society tells you. And that was certainly a, a huge message of the event in Marbella was not just taking whatever anyone feeds you. Um, but, but really questioning and making your own determinations. Um, are there other things that, uh, you want to point out that you were intending with those questions other than, uh, being a free thinker, um, other, uh, traits that you want folks who are in this uh, community to have or to develop, um, anything that, uh, you know, is additional. Yeah, so I, I won't go into too much detail on the VVV channel. I think that's better reserved for my uh, personal brand. But what I can say is that it tested, just generally speaking, without any of the, without mentioning any of the individual questions, but it, it tested for sensitivity. And the reason why I checked for this is because sensitivity equals poverty. Someone who is sensitive will never ever, and this is a guarantee, if you are sensitive, you will never ever become successful. It's just impossible to to break that rule. You have to be, you have to become rhino skinned. So you, you can't have thin skin and be offended by me asking a very simple question. Like even if you have a different point of view, like if the question in itself offends you, then that's something which is going to hold you back forever. And it's really, really important to overcome the sensitivity and right now we live in a society where being sensitive even gets rewarded like if someone wants to be addressed with a certain pronoun and you don't use that pronoun and now they get offended and they actually feel a certain degree of pride in 
you know, being offended and, and, and standing up for something which at the end of the day is really meaningless. Like it's uh yeah, it's a very weird way in how everything has developed. And I feel like a big chunk of the society is just waiting to find the reason to be to become offended about something. And that's not the kind of people I want to have in VVV and that's like a recipe for um for low productivity. If everyone is just being concerned with potentially offending someone else, then no one can speak freely anymore. And that's what you what you see right now uh, in social media. Everything gets censored. No one can actually express an opinion. Even the most harmless statements become weaponized and you know get twisted. And you, you can't even speak your mind anymore without committing a hate crime. And uh, I think that's a very, very dangerous uh, way in, in which everything is shifting right now. So those questions mainly were a means for testing for sensitivity. And there have been quite a few messages where people just got offended by very simple questions. And that's, um, yeah, even, you know, I'm not, if I'm putting in the effort to phrase those questions, I'm not going to pay attention to whether or not I use he or she or I'm just writing the questions to to be productive and then if someone sends me a message oh why do you assume he's a male I mean just answer the damn question if if me using a certain pronoun is offending you then you already failed the test in itself and uh, yeah that's pretty much the takeaway of those questions yeah. well and one of the things just to highlight um, what you said I'd that I've been thinking about recently is this. So um, when I was in grade school, one of the things that we had to learn was a language. I'm sure a lot of people had a, a similar uh, experience. Um, and I, I chose Latin. I wish I had chosen something that was actually a living language that I had to learn. But, um, but I, I compare it sort of to translation because in modern, the modern practice is, if there's one word that throws you off in someone's speech and, and that triggers you some way, then you throw it all out and you say like, well, I'm not going to listen to anything they've said. I'm not going to look at that, whether they're successful or not. I'm not going to look at whether they're accomplished or not. It's just, Oh, you said something that offends me. And it's incredibly short sighted because what you're saying is if you, <laughs> if you hear something that you don't like, then you're not going to listen. And, and there's so much value in like you, um, like you've said with the other lessons, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. There may be a reason you don't like it. And that may be the thing that's holding you back. <laughs> correct, so correct. If you just throw out everything because somebody said a word you didn't like or phrased it a way you didn't like, or you assume something about what they meant, um, you're missing the whole point. Yeah. Most people shoot the messenger and don't get the message. And that's I, I think that's right. one of my biggest strengths is that I don't care how the message is transmitted. I really just care about the content. And, uh, and, and this is really something which I can highly recommend to anyone. Like try to get past how something is delivered to you. Just listen to the content and stop being offended by what words are being used or the tonality, like all of it doesn't matter. Like you really have to be sure that you can dissect what is being said 
and not pay attention to the things which don't matter. Like pay attention to the actual message. And that's something which is then going to help you to really progress at a, ma- at a much faster rate. And you're also going to be able to progress into realms where the, the sensitive people don't even get access to. Like there are certain topics which you have to have thick skin to even contemplate them as a potential reality. So I, yeah, yeah I, I can, and it, it's not something, something, you know, obviously that I got confirmation from all of all of this, but it's not something which I just randomly came to the conclusion, but by being surrounded by my mentors, um, you know, I met Dan Pena, I, and, and especially in the past few weeks, I've met a lot of super, super successful people. And you can tell they never, ever will be offended by anything you could possibly say. And that's the thing which is playing a crucial role in them becoming successful because they can see past everything and they get the message and they see the things which actually matter. Like too many people get hung up on someone's attitude or, or someone was arrogant, how they said it. Like all of it doesn't matter. If someone gives you feedback, which is helping you to overcome something, it doesn't matter how it's being delivered. And uh, I had the same experience many, many times where I'm, I always come from a, a place of love when I, when I tell something to someone, but I'm not always going to be nice in the way how I deliver it. And sometimes I do this uh, w- with intention because I want to see if someone gets offended by, um, by, th- by phrasing things very bluntly or if they actually have the capability to put their own ego aside and to actually listen. So why, um, and this may be something if, if you feel like uh, it would be better discussed on uh, the, your personal brand, but do you have a, a thought that you can share about why sensitivity is, seems to be so predominant um, these days? Like why, why it is that this is sort of this growing, like, oh, I'm offended and almost like wanting to be offended at things? Do you think it's just a personal excuse or it um or it gives you a certain type of power without as much effort or would i mean no one well it's very easy no one wants to be accountable for anything so the the result by uh people not wanting to be accountable is for them to find excuses to be offended by things and to put responsibilities aside and to push um responsibilities onto other people so uh yeah, I really can't answer the question without <laughs> saying this, yeah, uh, without which examples. Not suited. Yeah, yeah, I... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. So the the third part of um, of the test uh, you said relied on the the Hexaco um, uh, uh, inventory and looking at the questions generally, um, it it seems to touch on. Uh, again, sort of uh, sincerity, the the willingness to share a frank opinion, um, a little bit sort of greed and and maybe a little Machiavellianism again, um, and then sort of your your own self image. Um, what what were the most important qualities uh, for you to get out of of those questions? 
Um, so maybe we start in the beginning of the shark test. Okay. Um, because otherwise I'm going to give some examples of uh, some of the questions which are, um, you know, a little bit later. Gotcha, um, gotcha. On in the test. Makes sense. But let me give you just one at least. Um, so, so just to answer the question. Um, so one is, for example, I would be tempted to buy a stolen property if I were financially tight. And it's a very, very easy uh, test of integrity, right? If someone, even under financial pressure, is still not tempted to buy any stolen property, then they have a very high degree of in integrity. And that's something which to me is super important uh, in, our, in right. our community and in business in general and also in, in personal relationships. So testing for this. And there's a few... Most of the trades, I didn't just test with one individual question. Like there were two or three questions which tested for the same trade, just phrased slightly differently and with a different context, but it still was the same content. And um, only after you, you know, answer all three in the same fashion, then it's more or less confirmed that you have low or high integrity. And it's pretty much how the test works. The, the test asks you this, more or less the same thing in different ways. And then if you continuously answer it the same way, then you know, obviously you're going to have that trait um, within you. That makes sense. Um, so, so do you want, we, do you want to so, start at the beginning and yeah, and, and one thing, so one thing which came up quite frequently is um, people telling me, well, I can't answer the question because there's not enough context. I need to know if the stolen property is like from a grandmother or if it was from someone super rich who doesn't need the money. And like, if you approach the questions from that perspective, that means that you don't have your values established properly because I don't need any context to answer those questions. Like I can answer them super quickly. And if you know for sure I'm an honest guy who has all the integrity in the world. Then it, all the context for the question about the stolen property doesn't matter. You will not buy the property no matter how someone came about to have it. So anytime you feel like, oh, I need, I need more context, that means for that specific trade, you haven't really established your, base, your baseline yet. And that's super important to be aware of because many, many people told me the same thing. And... Again, if you lack the context, that means you have a lot of work to do in that specific regard for you to establish your actual characteristics. And now the very first question, which is make sure your plans benefit you and not others. This was something which already uh, you know, brought up a million questions uh, in some people because now the question is like, do I disagree or do I agree, right? And... Um, that specific question, for example, tests for Machiavellism. So if someone answers the question that my plans have to benefit me and not others, that's a very cunning trait. And that means that you're more likely to manipulate others. So um, the, the correct that's, answer... That's kind of the crabs in the bucket, right? Like it's like you want to yes. keep everyone beneath you. Correct, correct. And so the correct answer to the question is to disagree, right? To approach it from a perspective that my plans do not only have to benefit me because that's just not the, the right way to approach anything. Like all the things which I do for VVV, if, if I would have made all the decisions in a way where it always has to benefit me and no one else, I mean, we would have nothing, right? 
And that's pretty much true for anything in your life. Like if you always only make the decision which is only benefiting you, I mean, you're, you're never going to get anywhere. You're going to uh, repulse people and it's, you're not going to be able to live a fulfilled life. And then of course, someone might argue, okay, I see it the same way, but I didn't understand the question properly. But still, it means, you know, you didn't have your values in place properly. Like if you were really sure about your values, then you, you would have been able to answer the question uh, properly right away without having to even think about it. And of course, you know, maybe like in some cases, you, you might answer one questions one question the wrong way because you you might even just disagree or you, you might read something else into it than what it actually means. But that's why the same thing is getting asked in a similar fashion over and over again to make sure that the, the test is as accurate as possible. And the next one, the next question, uh, again, uh, is on the topic on Machiavellism. And it's, I will say anything to get what I want. And I think that's a very obvious one. Like if someone is willing to say whatever, uh, even if, if it goes against their values, then that's something, it's not someone who, who you can trust. And that's something, someone who is going to be cunning in the way they approach anything. And if I would have a team where all of the team members would always say whatever just for them to get what they wanted, again, we wouldn't have uh, anything remotely close to what we have today. And that's different, right? Uh, different, right, John, than message discipline. Because it's one thing to say things in certain contexts, in certain ways, in order to, you know, reflect, you know, your your ability to to message uh, appropriately, right? It's you're talking about someone who literally will change what they say or say the opposite to get what they want. Correct. And so then we have the next question, which is, I'm an average person. And um, so this is a obvious question, which is testing for narcissism, right? Um, but it also tests for social self-esteem because you will see uh, in the third part of the, the, the shark test, uh, a similar question is um, getting asked. And I'm just looking for the question. So give me one moment. Um... Yeah, so there's one question in uh, in the later part, which is, I sometimes feel that I'm a worthless person. So there's a, there has to be a balance between self-esteem and narcissism. And I think, and I have to look this up again, but I think it's even that um, like CEOs in general, they score slightly higher on the narcissism um, than average people. But, but I, I have to look it up again to, to confirm. So, um, you know, certain of the bad traits have some use unless you completely end up on the extreme of the scale, right? So there's always like a, a median. Um, uh, let me just pull up the, the ranges here. I'll give one moment. 
Så for eksempel for de... Mm, så so let, let's just say the sincerity. Så so for the sincerity score, the, the, the middle, like 80% of all scores, they range from 2 to 4, roughly speaking. And the medium score is 3. And then obviously now the person with a score of 2 and the person with a score of 4, they're going to act, act different in certain scenarios. But they are still within the range. Like they are still reasonably sincere. It's only once you have someone who drops below the 2 where it actually becomes dangerous and where you would have to see it as a red flag in a relationship, right? And so you just have to be aware, like most people average between two and four and people are reasonably dishonest or honest. And it does not necessarily make them psychopaths or bad people. It just means that you have to have a certain degree of awareness where you might trust someone with a two less than someone with a four. But then again, someone with a four doesn't mean that they will never ever do any wrong or they will never ever lie like there's obviously some some details here of which you have to be aware of right someone who has a two they can still be honest in certain scenarios you just have to be aware that um in in, in certain uh, situations they might be more tempted to do the wrong thing but there's not like one ultimate truth where one score dictates the exact behavior of a person in all different scenarios it's it's all um it, it, it's a little bit esoteric but if you understand how people work then you, you can pretty accurately predict how someone is going to act in uh, specific situations and you can pretty much uh, project someone's future decision making based on the results of the test and now the next question of people often say i'm out of control that's testing for impulsive behavior and that's also slightly going into the in, into testing for sensitivity because if someone um is often out of control that means they you know they probably get easily offended by things right or they they have very impulsive behavior which they can't control and it more or less means that you are not very professional and if you're not very professional then vvv is probably not the right place for you and uh, so again if, if someone answers this with i agree and people always tell you that you're out of control i mean then you have a lot of work to do to, to make sure that you that you get back in check and that you can actually um detach your emotions from your decision making because making emotional decisions that's not something which is going to lead to a lot of success in your life and christian whenever you want to chime in uh, you know, feel free to uh, make any comments. Yes, sir. I have, I have a question on this next one. So, Okay. Yeah. So the next question is, there are things you should hide from other people because they don't need to know. And again, like if you have utmost integrity, then of course you have to say no, because like, why, why, why don't, why do there need to be things which you need to hide? Like the, 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 and they pick the words very specifically. They, they choose the word hide for a very specific reason. Because someone who is very cunning, they can identify with the word hide. They think, okay, hiding things is good. No one needs to know. And they will, they will answer the question with agree. And of course, again, you, you have different layers, right? The, the test is not black and white. You have disagree, slightly disagree, neutral, slight agree, and agree. And the reason for this is to, to give you some 
like some spectrum of uh, the scale, right? You've seen it, it goes from zero to five. So the zero to five is more or less reflected in the individual answers. And, you know, depending of how much out of the scale you answer, then that's going to tip the balance eventually. So one of the things that, um, that I was kind of wondering when I was uh, looking back through the test was, you know, it's, it's a funny question for crypto because, um, you know, there's that a contradiction in crypto where a lot of folks get into crypto and, you know, don't want to be doxxed and are, are trying to be private. And then, of course, the blockchain actually kind of exposes a lot of what you do because it's a ledger and you can look it up. But what would you say the difference is between answering this question in a yes, I, I, there are things I need to hide and that's because you're not being honest either with yourself or the outside world versus saying, well, you know, I know, um, you know, in, in deliberations about communicating with other uh, projects, you know, sometimes you say like, okay, well, you know, they want us to not expose this, that, or the other about their uh, tokenomics, let's say, right? Um, and that's sort of a business decision. Uh, what What is the, the delineation there? Then it's not a personal decision, yeah, then but, it's yeah, more a business ask, decision? Sure, sure, sure. But, but they are very specifically asking you, there are things you should hide from other people. Like they, they gotcha. make it personal, right? And it's a personality test. So they're not asking you, how do you do business when you have signed an NDA? Do you break the NDA? Like they don't add that much context for a reason. Like it's a personality test. Right. right, right. And they ask you, what would you do in general? And whether or not you, you think you should hide certain things. And like what you just mentioned with the tokenomics, like it's not hiding, right? Because it's a completely different uh, scope of circumstances. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So one one is your personal desire to keep people from knowing something about you, whereas the other is a a business process that will eventually be laid well, out. If, in, if someone, in full. well, let's say you make an investment and you sign an NDA, then you're not hiding something, but you're you're fulfilling the thing which you signed up for. Right. Right. right, so right. It, it's a very yeah. It, it's not not even in the same universe right the, the, the context right. well and i guess that kind of bleeds into the next uh question too because it, there's also you know conflicts that you would tend to avoid because they're not useful but that's not the the same as saying like well i'm specifically not telling you i disagree in a in a disingenuous way because i want you to like me correct um, okay that makes yeah, sense. And, and that's actually, uh, to me, this is one of the worst traits someone can have. Like if, if someone shuns conflict, I mean, I, I can sense that right away. And I really, really dislike that because someone who is not capable to actually speak openly, I mean, they are just a liability and they are very, very dangerous. And that, that's why I'm stressing so much that you have to become mentally strong for you to actually be someone I, I want to be surrounded by if someone is mentally weak even if they are a good person it's just too easy to for them to be corrupted by external sources or by external influences so it, it like 
all the people I'm surrounded by, all the people who are close to me, I mean, they, if I, if I, if I would do anything wrong, they would call me out immediately. Like, uh, yeah, I can't think of an example, but I can only think about examples, yeah. which are the other way around. But, you know, if someone said, I'm going to do X by date X, and then I meet them and they didn't do it, then of course I'm going to call them out, right? And then, you, again, we, we come back to the topic of sensitivity. I'm going to call them out. And if it's not a person which is sensitive, then they're going to tell me, man, thank you for calling me out. You're right. I promised something and I didn't deliver on it. Uh, now, because you mentioned it, I'm, I'm going to go back and I'm going to make sure that I, I, I keep my word. And versus someone reacting in a negative and defensive way where, you know, they might then attack you as the result because you just called them out. And the, yeah. Yeah, and I really think that from the beginning has been a huge um, pillar of the of the culture of of BBV is is like you said because if you can't take direct uh, criticism, if you can't take you know tough messages, even if you disagree with it, right? Um, if you can't stand your ground and and argue the point or. Uh, you know, you really instituted, you know, even from the beginning, you know, this, well, if you, if you want something or, or if you feel like you deserve something, or if you want to be considered, then you have to speak up for yourself. That really has uh, created a, a place, a culture where we all speak very directly with one another. And we don't try to, um, you know, necessarily just preserve everyone's feelings about what we're saying. It doesn't mean that you can't be not not nice but kind <laughs> um to to uh, each other at times but um that that ability to hear tough a tough message and incorporate that and and process it rather than reject it is really something i think that that isolates vvv in a good way um from so much of the crypto world which is all this you know we're we're all going to make it. And, you know, don't you worry you're early, you know, it's <laughs> trying to preserve everybody's feelings about who they are and where they are. And um, th that, that ability to not avoid conflict and also from either side, right. To either be the one who says, I think something's wrong and I'm saying it, but also be the one who's able to hear it. And that's, that's been one of, I think the most impressive things to me from early on about your leadership is you, yes, you're very direct in what you say, but you also incorporate the things that other people say, well, I disagree with this. You know, you may say, well, we're doing it this other way, but you always listen. Like I can tell you always uh, assess it as a message and decide whether to incorporate it or not um, rather than reject things offhand, which, which I think is, is really important for, for VVV in general. Yes, and it also means that we are going to repel 99% of people because 99% of people always want to be told everything is fine and they never get called out, they never get held uh, accountable. But it's a good thing because 99% of people we don't even want to have in our community because they're not going to provide any value. They're just going to drag down the quality of conversations. So whenever someone leaves or whenever someone is offended, you know, it's a good thing for the culture as a whole because now we, we have established the core community and, you know, everyone is conducting 
communication in a certain way where if someone does it in a different way, they will stand out immediately and then they either have to adopt and they have to, you know, make sure that they observe their environment and that they manage to fit in after a while or they will just leave and, you know, someone else is going to come in and is going to, to see what we've built and they will appreciate it. And it's very important to understand that the people at the top, the, the, the people which we want to attract, the, the people of substance, they don't appreciate sensitivity. They don't appreciate people being naive with the uh, VAGMI and GM and GN. Like no one wants to see that kind of uh, activity in a server. It's really only like the, the, yeah. It's the people who get played by the market who subcomp to that behavior. And if you welcome that in your server and you, you breed that kind of a culture, maybe that, that's fun for, for, for some people, but it's not something which is going to, to lead to longevity. It's just going to uh, eventually be corrupted and it's eventually going to, to turn vile and toxic because uh, especially in this market, you can see like in most of the servers, there's not, not a lot going on and there's very little substance and there's very, very little actually being accomplished. And in our Once, case, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say so, so much of what you taught us in, in some of the other lessons, but looking at the other examples is this ability to go against the flow, to go against the things that we're taught, to go against the things that everyone else says. And I think that's the, that's what you're getting at too, is that you developing that strength and ability to go against that pervading culture is is one of the major things that's going to determine whether you're successful or not. Correct. And many times becoming successful comes with going against the grain because all of the entrepreneurs, all, all the people who launch successful businesses, they had to go against what's deemed normal. And it, it's just not good to try to be vanilla, to fit in, to just be another uh, Web3 crypto community, uh, Web3 gaming community, like all of these communities are eventually going to become meaningless because there's very little substance to them. And there's very little like actual culture which is strong enough to repel people and to actually attract the right people. Like no, no one actually wants to deal, like you can't even imagine the amount of negativity I had to deal with to get VVV off the ground. And now, because I was, you know, I knew it was coming and I knew it, you know, because anytime I started the business, you know, everyone always told me, oh, it's impossible, or you, you can't do it this way, da, 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 and eventually it became successful. So I knew it was coming, right? I knew it, it's just the natural thing to, to overcome. Like whenever you want to, um, well, whenever you want to shift something in the universe to your benefit, there's going to be a resistance. Like it's never going to be easy. And we did the same thing with VVV and we dealt with all the resistance and now we have proven everyone wrong. Like we have one of the most well curated servers out there. We have one of the healthiest cultures out there. And it's just overall a super enjoyable place to be in. And it's also attracting the right caliber of people because like, you know, I spoke about the, the blockchain fund a few times, right? And I, I spoke about the 300 million 
dollars in in funds which I want to raise, and to some it, it seems like it's an outrageous amount of money, and now I'm surrounded by people who individually could fill up the hedge fund in one wire transfer. They have so much money, it's way beyond even it's way beyond my understanding. Like it's it's just outrageous to see how much money is out there in the world and how much money some individuals have accumulated. Uh, over the past few years so you know that that really helps to broaden your own horizon and these people would never ever deal with me if i would be another geek or if i would be um very vanilla in my personality the, the only the reason why they even talk to me is because i'm very very um bold and i'm genuine and i'm very open about the values I carry and I, I don't and I don't care about me potentially offending them with the things I say I'm I'm very outspoken and I, and I also know that the only way to actually establish an, a relationship with a person of that caliber is by you being outspoken and, and then hopefully they share the same values and most of the time uh, like actually 99% of the time with those successful people if you are outspoken and if you are you know, very open with your worldviews, and if you if you um, if you are someone who holds himself accountable, who holds other people accountable, they will actually appreciate that because normally they don't have people around them who hold them accountable, who they can respect. So by you being uh, you know similar to them, by um, holding yourself accountable, by holding them accountable, and um, by them uh, resonating with uh, those characteristics, that's going to establish a very solid relationship super quickly like that there's not that much um you don't have to do that much small talk with these guys like it's um very straightforward like uh, you get a feel for each other super quickly and you tell your story they tell their story and it's very obvious that you you know both of you had to overcome certain hardships and had to make certain sacrifices and then you already know that you share the vast majority of uh, values and you share a lot of the different points of views about society and then from then on it's it's going to turn into a very flourishing relationship rather quickly but you can never ever be afraid of uh, potentially repelling someone or by someone being offended and it's also funny like most of the people who dislike me are also not the people who I even want wanted to have in VVB so it's like a you know um like a self-policing culture which we have created. Like the people we don't want, I mean, they leave by themselves. So it's pretty much the, the perfect dynamic which we have. And the people which we really want to have in the server, you know, they just join us. We, we I, I think in the past seven days, we had two people buy whale NFTs, right? And I think they spent like 13 ETH each to join the whales group. And to me, that's much more meaningful than someone leaving the community because they got offended by something or uh, they didn't agree with any of if one of the decisions I made. I mean, those two people spending such an amount of money to become part of the community, like that means something. And I don't have the goal of attracting masses and masses of, of new members to the community. Like if I, if we get one good member per month, to me, that's a success because we already have everything we need to uh, move forward with the next phases of VVV. So, uh, you know, all I need is a few good people per month, and that's going to be, uh, you know, all the 
yeah, all the leverage which we want to build up on. So for the um, the next set of questions, do you want to skip over the uh, the ones yeah, that you wrote yeah, yeah. and so, go to the hashtag? exactly? So you know the um, the ones which I made up, um, I think we we can just cover them in one of the upcoming Exodus sessions. But one thing which everyone has to um, understand is all the questions which I made up, like on in ninety percent of the the answers. Like the successful people I'm dealing with, they will agree with me in ninety percent of the answers which I I picked as the right ones. So if you go through those questions and you disagree with whatever I deem to be the right question, then that likely means that you are very far away from becoming successful, because the people at the top they don't think, and that's the only political thing which I'm going to say. Like the people at at the top, they don't think that there are more than two genders. Like they know there's man and woman and there's nothing in between like it's only the yeah it's a specific audience which starts with the argument for more than two genders like it's a very basic very logical question it's something which you can actually biologically prove and if you go out of your way to start arguing about such a question i mean there's a a plethora of other things which you probably disagree on and then the test pretty much again becomes self-policing where if someone agrees on that specific question very likely they agree on a plethora of other questions and they will end up with a very low score and i think i think one of the things that um was maybe not surprising but was uh, eye-opening at the marbella event was that everyone who spoke kept um speaking and just like you said, kept hitting the same high points as far as like general belief sets, general ways they saw the world, um, general ways they saw themselves, um, even for folks that, you know, you had met, but were not particularly close to. Right. So so if if somebody said like, well, this is just because these are the folks that are around Sean. And no, I mean, it was to a person. Everybody was saying the exact same things. Uh, even without having heard each other in in uh, in most cases too, um, so it it was impressive how um, how defined that message was about sort of how they saw the world and and their um, and the things they thought were important and the ways in which they spoke. Uh, it it really showed how. Uh, how defined that path is like you told us early on with the Academy that um, like we talked about last week, that even though there's, you know, a thousand books written, there's really one path and you just have to follow it. Um, it was, it was really impressive to, to see that at Marbella. Yeah. And you know, some people have, uh, have mentioned or have raised concerns that, well, what if you're so outspoken about those topics and then you want to curate the board of directors for the blockchain fund? What if they listen to uh, the the podcast and they disagree? It, then I don't want to have them on the board of directors. It's very simple. Like, <laughs> it's like there are certain rules to success. And if someone is sensitive and gets offended in any way by any of the, the viewpoints I have, like that they are not the right person for the position because then if they get offended by that, then it's just going to be a, a path to more and more conflict 
on the way forward. And like I said before, 99% of successful people, they see the world very similarly to me. And if I say there are only two genders, then what they will say is, man, I'm glad someone finally is outspoken about the topic and not afraid of being canceled or not afraid of being attacked by someone. And they will actually appreciate you being outspoken. So I'm certainly not afraid of uh, any repercussions of, you know, me being outspoken about certain topics, either on my private channel or on, on the channel of VVV, because I know the guys I want to have as stakeholders, they see things in the same way. And if someone doesn't see it in, in, the, in, in that way, it, and again, it's, it, it's fine to disagree, right? I, I'm not saying that all my viewpoints are the one and only truth. But again, it comes down to sensitivity. We, we can disagree on certain topics. No problem. I don't have any issue with it. Uh, if someone argues for something else, that's completely fine by me. But if that holds you back from doing business, then it's already weeding out the people who are eventually going to turn out to be detrimental for the productivity and for the culture of the business as, as a whole. So me being outspoken, that's not a liability. That's a very easy filtering process of making sure that you only attract the right people. And you will see that for raising capital and for curating the board of directors, I'm not going to let anyone put in any capital who is uh, an idiot, like who is just viewing things in a very woke manner. That's just not going to happen. I want to have stakeholders of the fund who understand how the world works and what's eventually going to be good for society because the fund is eventually going to have a lot of impact and I don't want to have any stakeholders diluting the potential the fund actually has. So making sure to curate the right people, that's really the most important thing. And we are not going to struggle for the capital. We are not going to struggle for candidates for the board of directors. And, and I said this already in private, I have the board of directors already assembled. Like it was easy to to find the people for the board of directors, but after everything which I've co accomplished in the past couple of months, I know that I can find even better people. So I'm going to go back to the drawing board. I'm going to replace uh, a few of them, potentially even all of them, simply because I, I, I'm now in a position where I know that we have accomplished enough that we can really get the best of the best, and we don't have to um, to make any compromises in terms of the. Uh, credibility and the capability of those people and the same with, with capital like if you're struggling for capital if you're struggling to raise funds then you're going to compromise and you're going to uh, allow stakeholders into your project which shouldn't be stakeholders who eventually might steer the project in a way uh, where you get corrupted so all the things I do and everything where I'm being outspoken anytime I became more outspoken more bodacious and was was willing to take more risk. Like every single time, like the scope of success we had increased and the caliber of people I attracted increased. So why would I ever start to play not to lose when playing to win always has worked out just fine? And it has allowed us to build something which no one has, which no one else has even intended or tried to build. Like we have literally the only venture capital brand out there which is incorruptible, which is always going to do the right decision, which is always going to do right by the stakeholders. Like, why would I now start to do it any different way? It just doesn't make any sense. 
And I'm not concerned about some individual being offended in some other community. Like I'm literally dealing with people with a nine-figure nine net worth. Like I'm not going to worry about some geek and some, some little community uh, ranting about me banning them. Like it's literally not on my mind and it's literally not worth any of my energy. So if you guys see someone talking negatively about me or about VVV, let them talk. We already proven everyone wrong. So of course, the communities, which in the past year didn't accomplish anything, of course, they're going to talk badly about us because they see us progressing every single day. They see us uh, building and they, they see us succeeding. Like, of course, they're going to be like... Uh, in a bad mood when they see us succeed. And of course they will try to find something to generate some fud, but like all of it is completely meaningless. We are, we are, we are not dealing with, with the crypto audience. We are dealing with, with real uh, people of substance. And that's, that's the main thing. Like all of the, like the people I know who made a, a, an outrageous amount of money in, in crypto, they have already been successful in business. That's the main thing to understand. Like the people who randomly made the money in crypto, like most of them lost all of the money again. And the people who still have some of the money, they're probably going to lose it uh, over the course of the next couple of years. Like it's the, the successful business people who made the money in crypto and who understood, understood very well how the market works and how everything is going to, to turn out. And they hold on to every single penny. They didn't lose anything. Like no, none of the guys I know uh, lost any money on FTX. None of the guys lost any money in Luna. Like these people understand how the world works, and these people are super, super smart. And these are not crypto people. These are not the uh, we're all gonna make me. We're all gonna make it, guys. These are not the GM and GN guys. Like they are actual real men, and they don't sit at their computer and uh, play some Web three game or participate in any of the garbage communities which you see out there. Like these are proper people and in order to attract them you're going to have to have a strong mindset you're going to have very strong points of views and you have to have the the guts to say things which offend 99% of people for you to be able to attract that 1% so I'm I'm just going to continue just like we did the past couple of months I'm going to remain outspoken and that's what's leading to uh, events like the uh, podcast with Ahmed who is and he's probably the most successful person who I ever met. I mean, in terms of net worth, this guy is, um, yeah, pretty much unbelievable. And I'm very much looking forward to um, talking to him. And we're actually going to I'm going to make an announcement uh, tomorrow because we we had to reschedule um, the event. It's not going to happen on Sunday next week, but I'm actually going to do it um, in person on Tuesday. And we're going to do it in video format as well. So we're going to have a whole load of content for you guys. And it's going to be in an even more enjoyable format than just the Twitter spaces. Uh, you're going to see us in high quality. We're going to have a, a podcast studio here where I'm going to meet him. We're going to do it in person. It's all going to be high quality uh, with a proper professional podcast setup. And I think it's probably going to be one of the best sessions which we had uh, so far. Um, yeah, with that being said, uh, uh, Christian, are there any questions from your side? Is there anything you want to add? Um, so I would, I would just add that um, a lot of what you just said has, has been echoed in the 
lessons that um, that you gave us. Uh, th- this idea that there's something bigger than money, and and not to say that you know, <laughs> I know every time you've uh, you've talked on this topic, <laughs> you've had to caution people that you're not saying that VVV won't make money, but what you're saying is is that the vision is so much bigger than that. And that that is what real leaders respect. Um, If you look at Jack Welch, if you look at Walt Disney, it wasn't that they didn't achieve success. They did. But their goal was so much bigger um, than just making a certain amount of money or having everyone like them or, you know, having good press. It was about really changing the world um, for the better and and in a way that, that they uh, felt would would give back and and would make an impact and and that's so much of what you you just um, talked about really reflects that it's it's this idea that VVV is is more than just another crypto project trying to make money off of a certain market segment that it really has its own thesis its own culture its own um, its own dream that goes with it. And, and that's much bigger than just, uh, you know, a few ones and, and zeros, but those, those come too um, when you really are changing the world. So. Um, yeah. And you um, also have to understand, so, you know, while, while the NFTs were still open to mint, I couldn't make any statement which, which would imply a promise of profits. Right. So there was some legal restrictions of what I could even say. But I mean, now that all the NFTs have been minted, uh, you know, it, it's a different, uh, it's a different situation. VVB is going to make more money than all the other projects out there, very simply because our investment approach is the only one which, and I, I said this a million times, but it, it's it's so important for everyone to understand. Our investment approach is impossible to corrupt. So the investments which we make are eventually going to print money because we currently invest into things which and not all of them are going to succeed very obviously that's that's just in the nature of things but we invest currently into things which eventually are going to be vital for um, the technology of the future so if even just one of them succeeds they are going to succeed at a scale which is going to be unfathomable so the returns we're going to see are just going to be mind-blowing and uh, i went through the study uh, with uh, leon uh, he was kind enough to um, to summarize everything for me. So as some of you guys know, early last year, I arranged an investment into Dogami, which is a Web3 uh, gaming project. And it was a $15,000 investment, which uh, I managed to secure. And we, we ran the, num- the numbers on the performance uh, since the project had its uh, TGE in March 2022. So we arranged an investment for $15,000. And up until December 2022, everyone was able to pull out over 2x in cash of what the initial investment was. So uh, a $15,000 investment was made in total. And after two months after the TGE, everyone was able to pull out $20,000 in cash already. So you made a $15,000 investment and you already got back $20,000. And you have an immensely huge free bag, which you still carry, right? But even if you just sold every single time 
uh, the unlock happened of the remaining tokens, then from March until December last year, within uh, nine months, you were able to pull out $37,000 for a $15,000 investment. And now this was just one project and this was a project which where the scope of what it actually does is like very limited. It's just a game, right? And I, I don't mean to throw any shade on Dogami. Uh, you know, I, I like the team very much, but it's a game. It's not an infrastructure play like Orki, like Snickerdoodle, like Nillian. The scope of a game is very limited and the returns are also limited. But even still, you were able to pull out more than twice the amount of money you put in in a very short frame, in a very short time frame, right? And this was like throughout uh, the declining market. So this wasn't even in, in bull market conditions. Like this was throughout a declining market, you still were able to double your money very quickly. And we still have 44% of all the tokens still locked. So there's a huge bag, which is still waiting to be unlocked. And if you run the numbers of the remaining tokens, which are still uh, going to be uh, unlocked, then if the remaining tokens are going to be uh, performing maybe through the next bull run, at 50% of the old all-time high, then the remaining tokens of the $15,000 investment, and this is a, a free bag, right? You already pulled out more than twice of the money you put in. And now the remaining free tokens which you hold, they are potentially going to be worth $46,000 if it returns to half of the old all-time high. If it goes back to the old all-time high, then it's going to be worth $92,000. $92, $92, and if it exceeds the old all-time high, if the bull market, if the next bull market is going to be even more uh, beneficial to Dogami, then the remaining tokens could be worth close to $200,000. And that's very, very, an, a very important dynamic to understand. Like we already made the, all the profit. We already got back our initial investment. We made even profit on the, the investment and we still have so much, so many tokens left where if the market recovers, I mean, we're going to be golden. That's for sure. Because the, the investments which we made have been curated super, super carefully. And especially, uh, you know, things like Heroes of Mavia, for example. I mean, if the market returns, if they have their TGE, I mean, all of those projects are just going to print money. And that's the, the really, really important aspect to understand. that You get into those projects without any fees. We, we don't um, plot up the the valuation of the projects with a 10% fee, which, ma which makes the entire thing uh, even more, uh, which makes the entire thing much more risky and unattractive. And the tokens actually get sent to your wallets. So we are not the ones holding custody of the wallet. Uh, we are not the ones holding custody over the unlocked tokens and we don't manage them for you. We send them out to you and then it's on, on you and it's your responsibility to do with them whatever you deem uh, to be the right decision. And then in addition to that, we are now going to be able to launch the blockchain fund and we are going to be able to replicate the returns and the success which we had with that one single investment and with the uh, projected success, which you can already imagine with projects like Snickerdoodle, Nillian, Orki, uh, Gunzilla, Mavia, all of these projects are uh, one of those few projects out there which have actual substance to them. So... Um, you know, you have the access through VVV to those kind of investments. And then eventually people who don't want to have the responsibility and the 
um, the time commitment to actually, you know, decide whether or not they want to invest. People who want to um, follow a more hands-off approach and especially institutions who just don't have the manpower to do their own due diligence, who don't have the knowledge of actually diving into the crypto space, who just want to get exposure to the space as a whole, they can invest into the blockchain fund and they can be sure that based on all the decisions which we made up to, up until now, they know for sure that we are super, super careful with the decisions which we make. And they also know that they don't need to hold us accountable because we already hold ourselves accountable and we have a huge community who also holds us accountable. It's just impossible for us to make the wrong decision by any of the stakeholders. And that's really the most powerful thing in the world. And that's the thing which makes me very confident in us succeeding anyone else in terms of the performance because we just cannot make the wrong decision. Of course, there's going to, make, to be there's going to be some failures in some of the individual projects in which we invest in just because there's going to be external circumstances which we cannot influence. But just generally speaking, I don't think there's ever going to be anyone who's going to be able to outperform us because the, the, the wrong decision-making eventually is also going to lead to worse results and the right decision-making is also going to lead to the better results. So I'm very much looking forward to the future of EVV and we've proven people wrong all along the way and we're going to keep doing so and we're going to keep curating the 1% mentality, the 1% community and that's eventually going to be the thing which is going to allow us to be super successful. And with that being said, guys, thank you once again for listening in. If you haven't done so yet, please make sure you leave a retweet and a like. And thank you once again, Mario, for coming on. It was a pleasure for you to hear you uh, share your thoughts. If any of the other attendees of the Real Life event want to come on uh, in any of the next sessions and want to share some of the feedback and some of the progress they've made, they are, of course, always welcome to do so. And thank you once again, Christian, for joining us. Next week, we're going to continue with the content and the context of the shark test. And eventually, we're also going to open up um, the dark triad and hexaco test results in our server where you guys can do the test and you guys can then do a deep dive into the meaning of the individual trades and how you performed. And we're going to have open discussions about uh, you know the individual character character traits and we're also going to go through the test as a whole for you to understand where if your business partners or if your significant other does the test which i highly highly recommend where you can then spot certain potential red flags or amber flags and where you then have the ability to protect yourself or to anticipate certain behavior for you to not get hurt in business or in your personal life and yeah that's it for the session guys thank you once again for listening in it is always a pleasure to do these sessions and i highly recommend everyone tuning in tomorrow it's going to be a mind-blowing session with daniel and we already spoke about potentially doing these sessions regularly with him because what he's talking about is just as important as the mindset is the actual execution in your daily life in order for you to optimize your health and for you to be sure that you can perform at your peak. So make sure you join us tomorrow. Make sure you join us next Sunday. And I wish everyone a great remaining day. Thank you once again. Thank you, Christian. 
and see you guys soon. This recording has been prepared and made available by VVV. It is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a solicitation to sell, buy or subscribe to any financial instruments or products. VVV does not express any opinion as to the present or future price of any instrument mentioned in this recording. The information provided in this recording is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published, but VVV, along with its directors, officers and employees, does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of this information as it may change in the future without notice. Any decision made by a party after listening to this recording shall be on the basis of its own research and not based on the information and opinions provided by VVV.